Well, we are in the season of Lent. Lent is the 40 days before Easter, not counting Sundays. The word Lent comes from the word Lenten, which is an Anglo-Saxon word that means uh, spring. Uh, There's also some connotations that the word means the lengthening of days. It's this time of the year where we say goodbye to the winter solstice and we look towards the spring equinox. It's a time in the church's life, in our Christian tradition, where we uh, uh, celebrate and observe many things. It begins on Ash Wednesday where we are reminded of our own mortality. We take the ashes from the previous year's palm leaves that were waved triumphantly as we in, as symbolizing Jesus entering into the city of Jerusalem. And we burn those ashes, those palm leaves, and put them on our forehead or on our arms or hands to remind ourselves of our own mortality. It's a season in the church's life where we are invited to reflect upon our relationship with God, upon our need for a Savior Christ. It's a season in the church's life where we are invited to repent of our sins and to believe in the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I told you that it's a series of 40 days, and that number 40 ought to be familiar with to you. It is a very symbolic number throughout all of Scripture. You might remember that Moses spent 40 days on top of Mount Sinai without any food as he was awaiting the Ten Commandments. You might remember that Elijah ran for 40 days to the mountain of God where he encountered God's presence there. You might remember that the Israelites spent 40 years in the wilderness wandering after God liberated them from Egyptian captivity. And you might have noticed in our scripture lesson this morning that Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness. So it probably comes as no surprise to you then, this story of Jesus spending 40 days in the wilderness, that early in our 40 days of Lent, that we would encounter this particular text. Jesus has just been baptized in Luke's Gospel, and we're told that He is full of the Holy Spirit. And we also should note that despite the presence of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' life or in ours, that the presence of the Spirit does not mean an absence of temptation. In fact, it is in this moment when we're told that Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit where Jesus is tempted by the devil. I'm oftentimes asked questions about the devil. Was the devil a real person? Well, Scripture characterizes evil in several different ways. Sometimes this evil in Scripture 
is a tendency that is already within us. Sometimes this uh, evil is depicted as an outside force that is against the will of God. Sometimes this evil is characterized as some sort of cosmic power. And sometimes this evil is characterized as a personal being that encounters us in life. I want to suggest to you in whatever way evil encounters us, and I have been experienced evil encountering us in all of these different ways in my own life, but evil is anything that puts us in opposition to God's love and God's will for our lives. And so we're told in the Scripture today that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, is led out into the wilderness, but despite being full of that Spirit, He encounters the temptation of the devil. We're told that Jesus is actually doing something that we're encouraged to do during the season of Lent. Jesus is fasting. And Jesus is just spending time alone, spending time apart, reflecting on His relationship with God, reflecting on what it is that God is calling Jesus to do and to be, uh, preparing Himself for the ministry and the miracles that He is about to perform. And He's been out there 40 days, and He hasn't eaten and he's hungry, and he's weary, and he's vulnerable. And that's when the devil lurks and the devil strikes. And the devil says, hey, Jesus, I know you're hungry. I know you're weary. Why don't you turn these stones into bread? If you've ever been to the Holy Land, you know that much of the Holy Land is just limestone rock. It's just, during the summertime, it's so hot, blistering from the sun. And after 40 days of fasting and not eating, don't you know that those little stones started to look like pieces of bread to Jesus? Have you ever felt that way? I mean, if I, if I started talking to you this morning about I don't know, those hot, buttery, melt-in-your-mouth rolls from O'Charlie's. I bet you'd start thinking a lot about them. And I bet you you probably might not go to O'Charlie's right away today, but but sooner or later, one day you're going to drive by and you're going to say, I remember Tommy talking about those hot, buttery, melt-in-your-mouth rolls from O'Charlie's, and you'd want one. Don't you imagine that Jesus spending 40 days in the wilderness, that, that everything, He's hungry, and that those stones began to look and appear to be like bread. But Jesus wasn't about to turn stones into bread because the devil told Him to do it. Jesus was not looking to the devil for guidance for uh, what he should do and what he should be. He was looking to God. And so Jesus is able to respond to the devil and say that man does not live by bread alone, but, but by the word and the guidance of God. I want to suggest to you that we know what it's like to hunger for something. 
we all have experiences in our lives that there are things that we think we want or things that we think we need. And, and even though those things might not be bad things, in fact, they might be good things, but they might distract us or derail us from something better. There might have been some of our sisters and brothers this morning that said, I'm not going to Sunday morning to hear a so-so sermon after they took an hour of sleep from me last night. And they might still be in bed, sleeping right now. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe they needed that hour of sleep. But maybe, maybe it was a distraction or a derailment from something that they might have received had they come to church this morning. Uh, Maybe for you, it's eating that donut. Maybe that's your temptation. It feels so right and so good in the moment, especially at donut country where they got that maple donut with the bacon on top of it. Have y'all ever had that? Ooh, Lord have mercy. Bacon makes everything better, you know? (laughs) And while it might be so good in the moment, it might derail or distract us from something that's better in the future, like a healthier life. I could go on, but I think you get the point. Temptation is all around us, and the temptation is strong. And I can assure you that if the devil was whispering in Jesus' ear in the wilderness, the devil is often whispering in ours. Well, the second temptation that the devil presents to Jesus this morning is that the devil claims to have authority over all of the kingdoms of the world and suggests to Jesus that he has the ability to give Jesus the authority over all of those kingdoms. But Jesus, on some level, has to know at this point that he too will have authority over all of the kingdoms of the world. And it might have been tempting to him to want it then, in that moment, at the devil's suggestion. But Jesus resisted because Jesus knew that he would have authority, but that that authority would come from God and not from anyone else. In fact, authority is important in the Gospel of Luke. If you're reading through the whole Gospel, you'll see instance after instance after instance where Luke talks about the authority of Jesus. He says that Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. He has the authority to give the disciples the ability to cast out diseases and demons. Uh, The centurion in Luke's Gospel recognizes Jesus' authority. It says that Jesus taught with one with authority. Over and over and over again, Luke wants us to know that Jesus has an authority that comes from God. He does not need an authority that comes from anyone else. And so Jesus resists this second temptation. The third temptation, Jesus is at the top of the temple. He's taken to the pinnacle of the temple and the devil invites him to throw himself off of the temple, uh, which would certainly lead to his death. But the devil says, then after you jump, why don't you call upon the angels 
to come and save you so that you won't die. Ironically, Jesus will experience death in Jerusalem. He won't be delivered from it. But He remains faithful here to God's will. And He avoids death. He does not avoid death, but He accepts it and defeats it. And so the devil resists a third time. Leads me to the question for us today, how do you think that we might avoid temptation? Well, the first thing that I think we have to do is we have to understand temptation. A lot of us think that temptations in and of themselves are evil things or sinful things, but if we're to believe the Word of God, temptation was here before the first act of sin is recorded in Scripture before the first act of obedience. There's that tree in the middle of the garden, and they're told not to eat of that tree. And before they do, they are tempted to eat of it. Temptation isn't necessarily sinful, and it isn't necessarily evil. It is human. We're all going to be tempted by something or someone, sometime. But temptation should be taken seriously. Because as evidenced in this story with Jesus, evil can and often does use our temptations to lead us to sin. And if Jesus, if the devil is bold enough to try and fool Jesus then the devil is certainly bold enough and not intimidated by us and trying to do the same. What I like about how Jesus responded here is that He didn't just um, try harder. Uh, Sometimes we're told that that's how we're supposed to avoid the temptations in our life. Well, you just got to try harder. You just got to do more. You just got to be stronger. Sometimes we're told to just avoid the evil influences. If you want to avoid temptation, just remove any indication or effort that might try to tempt you in your life. And I'm not suggesting to you that those are bad things. Sometimes it might be that we need to try harder. Sometimes it might be that we need to set more appropriate boundaries to try to avoid Uh, the temptations that are all around us. But let me suggest to you that even in a perfect world, evil can permeate and evil can try to tempt. Jesus was in this time of fasting and prayer and preparation for His ministry and His miracles and somehow the devil still found his way into that holy time trying to tempt our Lord. Jesus didn't try to flee. Jesus didn't say, I'm just going to try harder. Jesus didn't try to eliminate the immediate threat of the temptation. What Jesus did is pointed to the promises and the standards of God. Jesus Uh, was trying to say that when we are tempted, God's Word, God's standards, God's love, 
and God's will can be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The season of Lent is an appropriate time for us to spend time in reflection. And one of the things that we might stop to consider is where do we see evidence of temptation in our own lives? And to remember that in the same way that Jesus had access to the Holy Spirit, so do we. And there is power in that Spirit. Know that we don't face temptations alone. Know that we have God's Word, which could be a light unto our feet and to our path. Know that we need the challenge and the encouragement that God's Word provides. And even though Luke, is in his story of the temptation, is the only one that doesn't mention angels, in the other two stories about the temptation, after Jesus has been tempted, angels come and comfort our Lord. And I want to suggest to you that Jesus has put spirit-filled angels in our midst, one another, an angelic presence outside of us to help us when we are tempted. In Luke's gospel, there are no angels, but there is the promise that the devil may leave for a while, but will come back at a more opportune time. But we have God's word, We have the body of believers around us. And we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And so in this season of Lent, let us claim all of those things.